Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, I'm catching a returning contributor to Alex Garrett Podcasting and uh, shining a sports spotlight once again on a veteran sports executive, Mr. Lou Terminello. And let me just say a great friend in the process. I mean, I've only known you. I, I know you as a great friend first and then sports expert. You know, a guy I talk about sports for a second. So I'm always glad to have you on, sir. Well, you're flattering me uh, with the sports expert. Uh title but uh, yes you're a great friend also and i'd love to be on with you and uh on this uh on this day after uh the uh the Mets brave series uh we have a couple of things to talk about that's for sure well my first thing is this is a collapse yet i feel like people uh and, and the energy is like well it's not that big of a collapse because it is the brave but is this at all like 07 in the sense of losing the division? No, absolutely not. No way, nowhere near. I didn't think I so. Mean, I mean, um, you know, you hear the media talking about, well, the Mets 10 and a half games up. The Mets were 10 and a half games up 101 games ago. In 2007, the Mets had a seven-game lead with 17 to go. They were clearly the best team, and they had a very favorable schedule in 2007, and they just didn't win enough games, and they lost on the last day of the season. Yeah, that was a class. This was not a class. The, Bra- the Braves uh, started to three and a half by July 1st. It was three and a half on August 1st. Uh, the Braves overtook the Mets on September 9th for a day, and the Mets regained first place the next day. I, I am surprised the Mets were able to hold them off, being a game off, two games up, a game and a half up, for as long as they, as they did. Uh, that being something, to be honest with you, I did not expect the Mets to get swept this weekend. I think they were running fine. Uh, the offense has been spotty for the last six weeks uh, since the uh, end of uh, since the end of uh, August, maybe even a little bit before that. Then on September 6th, on September 6th, they lose Colin Marte, a very underrated player in the major league. And, uh, and he has been doing a great job for the Mets in the And they have been able to replace him. But uh, if you want to break down the three games, you can do it that way. I thought the Mets were in good shape going in, uh, especially when Washington won on Thursday, and the Mets had that thing from behind and a 4 nothing. They had to move on Wednesday as they were on Thursday. Uh, they both did. Uh, the Mets were down 4 nothing in the seventh inning and came back to beat Miami 5-4. Simultaneously, um, that was going on, and i tell you what, the heart racing for both uh, for New York Mets fans was, was palpitating because at the same time, the the, the, the Nats were like, well, are they going to do that or are, they, or are they not? And they did. And so I felt like that day off set the stage for the weekend. And, you know, I am really ticked at people that say, this is DeGrom, this is Scherzer's fault. Uh, they pitched their guts out, and the hitting just wasn't there. Would you agree, or do you blame them as well? No, I totally agree with you, Alex. Uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's look at game one. Uh, game one, uh, DeGrom pitched six innings. Um, he gave up three home run balls, solo home runs, through three home run hitters. 
Riley, Olson, and Dancy Swanson. He struck out 11. He walked none in six innings. He gave the Mets a chance to win the game. Now, I think Buck Showalter is the reason why the Mets have had this fantastic year. Nobody thought the Mets would have uh, 98 wins. Most people figured, okay, if everything goes right, they'll have 87, 88 wins. Uh, and everything didn't go right. DeGrom missed four months. Scherzer, if you take his two uh, stints on disabled list, missed two months. That, that's a lot of starts from two of the top three or four pitchers in baseball, and DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball um, you know, for the last three, four years. But Buck did something on a couple things during the game on Friday night, and I have really had no issues with his in-game management. He's on top of every pitch. Mets are down 3-1 in the seventh inning. They bring in Tyler McGill. All right, the guy's the guy has been out for four months with injury. The guy is a starting pitcher. The guy is trying to make the transition to relief pitcher. A tough transition um, for somebody who is a starting pitcher. Uh, the Mets, if they win one game, they clinch a tiebreaker. That's important. It's the game. It's three in the eighth inning. McGill comes in quickly, gives up two runs, and then they bring in Lugo. But by the time they bring in Lugo, it's five to one. You know, hits a home run in the top of the eighth inning, five to two. The Mets load the bases in the top of the ninth inning with one out. They have Daniel Vogelback on the bench against Canley Jensen. They allow, and this is, I think, a mistake, because the Mets are so uh, inept from the right-handed side in their designated hitter situation, they bring up uh, Francisco Alvarez on Friday, and they put him directly in the lineup. Really a tough spot for a 20-year-old kid who is the number one prospect in Major League Baseball. He's a 21, is a 20-year-old kid. Um, that that uh, situation called for Volba, Vogelback. He didn't. Um, uh, Alvarez didn't come through, and the game was over. Alvarez. That was the vote. Uh, on that on that strikeout, he did look overmatched, and I don't know. People are saying was this the right time to bring him up, and I agree. I mean, look, in a sense, I also think that uh, Buck Showalter has a Nito's back this whole time, and he kind of showed that keeping him in. So, uh, in certain circumstances this weekend, but I don't know. It, it seems like that could have been done a while ago. Do you agree with that criticism that this was just well, too soon to call? Right. If they want to do it, they, they, if they were going to do it a while ago, or you know what, just say, hey, we can't bring them up for this big series the last weekend of the year um, and just wait till next year. Because in all likelihood, he's either going to start the season next year at Syracuse and then come up two months in, six weeks in, something like that. To put him in this situation – Really, I think was, I don't want to say unfair to the kid, but put him in a tough situation. So, I mean, those were, that was uh, uh, game one. I had a little problem with Buck's in game decisions, but the guy has been a brilliant manager. So, well, I don't understand, uh, you know, and, and you and I can agree, I don't understand why people are losing their minds over this because if you follow the Braves track, They've had nine-game winning streaks at some point. Like, it's not just been a all-of-a-sudden pop-up. They've kept up with the Mets that people are they won failing to realize. Games in, That's right. They won 14 games in June. They're, they're 77 and 32, uh, which is uh, since June 1st. 
a pace, if it was a full season, would equal 114 games. The Mets have won 64 games on a pace to win 103 if starting on June 1st. So there's no collapse here. The, the Braves have won a division five years in a row. They're playoff savvy. They're playoff experience. That plays a factor, uh, in my opinion. So it but looks like this again, could be a rematch. Back, this could be a rematch in the postseason, right? So, uh, assuming it, it they be, beat but the I don't, uh-huh. I don't like the Mets' chances of getting to the NLCS. I really don't. But um, you know, they're gonna have to go through the Padres, the Dodgers, and uh, then, in all likelihood, the Braves, unless the Braves get upset by the Cardinals. Um, but uh, or the Cardinals or the Phillies. I mean, the Cardinals will be playing the Phillies in all likelihood. The Mets could be playing the Phillies too. I mean, it's it's still up for grab. But right now, it looks like Mets Padres, and I not I'm not crazy about that matchup for the Mets. Um, oh, I get it. So it'd be Mets but, Padres, and then they would play the Cardinals. Is that how that's going to go? Or yeah, no, it would be it would it would be Mets. It, right now, if the season ended today and still has two days to go, and there could be changes. The Mets would play the Padres, right? Uh, and then if they beat the Padres, they would play the Dodgers because the Dodgers have the first tra- the first seed in the NL, and uh, they have the box. This whole thing so makes your head spin in a sense, but yeah, it's just well, it, it does. I mean, um, but again, going back to bringing up Alvarez, um, as great as the Mets season has been, going into the season. This is the first year of the DH in National League. Yeah, I know they had it for that stupid 60-game uh, bogus season in 2020. Uh, but this is the first time that it was, it's going to be here now forever, I assume. Um, I'm not a DH fan, but everybody says it'll be great for the Mets. They have Dominic Smith from the left side. They have J.D. Davis from the right side. Well, J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith both failed miserably. Uh, J.D. Davis was traded for Darren Ruff, who was supposed to be a, uh, a hitter who rakes left-handed pitching. Uh, he did not. Dominic Smith had a terrible year. And here with the, Net, the Mets desperate for some, some hitting, they uh, have Dominic Smith up. And the Syracuse season is over, but he's on the taxi squad. Uh, so if he can contribute, he'd be playing, even though he's a left-handed hitter. So those that, that situation let them down. Dominic Smith and uh, J.D. Davis not coming through like we all thought they would uh, has let the Mets down to DH position. So they had to bring up Vientos. So they had to bring up uh, Alvarez. Both guys who probably aren't ready. Maybe next year they will be, but they weren't this year. Of the um, of the everyday guys, and I'm talking now, Nate Quinn who came over and Vogelback. Mm-hmm, I mean, I mm-hmm. think Vogelback makes the postseason squad, but anybody that played their way off the postseason roster this weekend? Well, uh, I think uh, I think you're going to see an interesting, you know, makeup of this squad. As far as the everyday guys, um, Naquin will be on for sure. Um, this uh, Cole, the, the, the runner, Terrence Cole, uh, who was... Uh, uh, won two championship rings uh, with the with the um, uh, the Braves last year and with the Royals in 2015. He's a speed demon. That's an interesting an interesting the uh, use a roster spot for him because the guy is is has a world of speed. 
He's a great base runner. Do you put him? Do you keep him on the roster for those those specialized situations in late innings? I don't know. I can't see. Uh, maybe Vientos may not be may not be on the roster. He may may not make the roster. Uh, I'm not sure if Alvarez is going to make the roster. Um, but again, they may because just before the game, uh, a couple of hours ago, and the game got rained out tonight. Um, Show Walter said that uh, uh, Starling Marte is definitely not going to play in these last three regular season games, which means is his finger not going to be ready for the playoffs? That's another thing by not winning the division and not having those five extra days to heal uh, uh, a key net, Starling Marte's finger. And he's been out since September 6th. That's a huge loss. Yeah, and DeGrom's um, blood blister. We'll see how that goes. I got to ask you about Eduardo Escobar, though, because he's a guy that sort of had the turnaround. He was struggling there for a little bit, but now he's the player of the month for the end. Right, he was, you know, he was named player of the month today. And, and, um, and for good reason. I mean, what a, what a month he had. Oh, yeah, this. he had a great September. He had a great September. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can continue that, um, you know, this weekend. And... Um, I always like him. I mean, last year he, had, he I think he drove in 93 runs and had 28 home runs. So, uh, uh, you know, he, he is, thank God, he heated up in, in September. But, um, you know, getting back to this weekend, uh, I'm not looking to put the blame on anybody. You know, the Braves are, you know, the Braves are an excellent team. Uh, I think they're the best team in baseball. I think, I know... Probably a lot of people disagree with me. I think they're going to be the Dodgers in the playoffs. And uh, I think they're going to probably uh, play Houston in the World Series. And uh, I think they have a good chance of going back-to-back. you got to remember, last year, Ronald Acuna was hurt in July. And they made their run through the rest of the regular season and uh, through the postseason without him. This year, they brought up... uh, uh, Michael Harris III on May 28th, well, two days later, that's when he took off. Also during that time, uh, uh, Spencer Strider, the best rookie pitcher in baseball, so either Strider or or Michael Harris Jr. is going to win rookie of the year. Um, uh, they moved him from the bullpen to the starting rotation, and he's been tremendous. He got banged up a couple of weeks ago. He's on the uh, disabled list with the dreaded oblique injury, but he struck out over 200 guys. The first brave to strike out over 200 since 1890. Um, so the Braves are better this year. They're ex- more experienced going all the way. I yeah. think going in, I would put them as the favorites. All right, and they're doing it without Freddie Freeman, who apparently, when he came back to Atlanta, it was revealed he was she didn't leave. Isn't that funny how that worked out? But uh, right, uh, yeah. yeah, but and obviously he's at the Dodgers, but clearly he misses this. Um, I think people were like, "Well, what do they do after?" And they Freeman? replaced Freddie Freeman with a terrific player in Matt Olson. And Matt you Olson know, had a huge series. And I can't blame the Braves for doing it the way they did because we didn't know at the time an offer was made. It's just that his agent wasn't. Anyway, there's a lot of politics with that. But yes, Matt Olson has been the A. I mean, the A's produced Kana and Olson, and they both wrecked up the NL East. I mean, you can't deny that. Well, yes. I mean, Kana's a, I mean, Olson's a star player. Kana is a complimentary player. 
I mean, I'm a, I really, now that I've seen him play every day uh, this year, I really like, I really like Hannah's game. He's a gamer. He's, uh, uh, he doesn't give up, up, up any at-bats. Uh, all his at-bats are long and competitive, and that's the one thing the Mets have done. Um, they, they make pitches work. But, again, you look at the Braves. They, I mean, they could, what, 237, 247 home runs. Yes, it's great to have great pitching, and the Braves have excellent pitching. The Mets have excellent pitching. The Mets have an excellent bullpen. The Braves have an excellent bullpen. The Mets are, uh, have scored a lot of runs. The Braves have scored more runs. But the Braves have hit many more, much more home runs than the Mets did this year. And the name of the game, and I know uh, pitching is, you know, 90% of the game. And if you don't have pitching, you don't have anything. But still, the most important statistic in baseball is runs scored. And um, the home run helps you score runs easily. Now, I'm not, I'm not for this blank launch angle nonsense. I like to build runs. But you have to be able to you have to be able to hit some home runs every once in a while. The Mets actually had more hits than the Braves this weekend, but the Braves hit seven home runs. The Mets hit three, but the Mets left a ton of players on base. Twenty-two runners left on base. And if you go to last night's game and Saturday night's game, I don't want to I don't want to be critical of a guy who's had an excellent year, but Francisco Lindor on Saturday night against Morton, who was very, 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 very vulnerable. Uh, Nimmo leads off with a single. Alonzo batting second walks. Lindor strikes out on a couple of terrible pitches. He bailed Morton out. Comes up, he comes up uh, last night. There's a couple of guys on. He had a chance to do something. And that's the second time. He, he, does, he, does, he uh, does not come through. Um, so, I'm sorry to say this, but uh, stats don't lie. He's got 131 strikeouts while uh, Alonzo has 131 RBIs. But I want to get to those big three now. Alonzo, McNeil, and Lindor. Let's start with the record breakers because what overshadowed the last couple of weeks is that Pete Alonzo broke a Met single season record, and that has to be acknowledged. Most RBIs in a single season. I mean, look. Everybody's saying, well, where are their home runs? But at least he's driving in runs when he can. Well, he, I mean, but I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to be a downer on Lindor because he has 103 also. But um, uh, Alonzo has been consistent all year. Uh, the Mets really need a true big bat behind him. Uh, and again, the Mets aren't going to build this in one year. This is really Stephen Cohen's first year. He came uh, in November of the year before uh, when his ownership situation was settled. This was really his first full year. Um, so he had, he's had a, a, a tremendous uh, first year. But the Mets need another bat. They need another bat to, to protect Alonzo. But, uh, I mean, a lot, hey, what can you say? The kid has 40 home runs, 131 RBIs. He always plays. Same thing for Lindor. He always plays. And Lindor is a magnificent shortstop. Um, again, I just always thought when he was with Cleveland, and Cleveland was always good, and they were always doing the playoffs, I always thought he might have been a tad overrated. Um, he's an excellent player. He's not a superstar. 
Well, I want to get to him. Yeah, and he actually did break a record of Jose Reyes earlier in the year, which is pretty impressive in himself because, you know, Reyes. Go ahead. And he plays hard all the time, Alex, and he doesn't miss games. Uh, You know, you have two guys there, you know, your two mainstays. They're they're gamers. Um, And, uh, you know, Jeff McNeil, I mean, what can you say? He's a bat manipulator. Uh, He could beat the shift. I mean, a couple of years ago, I know he sacrificed his average and he hit like 26, 23, 24, 25 home runs, but that's not his game. Uh, he, he is, I mean, he's one point away from uh, leading the uh, NL in batting. Hopefully he wins the title. Not that big a deal, but uh, he's another gamer and he always plays. And he can play left field. He can play right field. He can play second base. Um would you argue, and he plays though, them all as, well. as yeah, and he's a he's a utility guy also. But as McNeil goes, so the team goes, or who who's going to be the fire plug, the spark plug? Because I feel like McNeil is the guy. Him and Nimmo are just the the spark plugs that, as they go, the Mets go. Well, I I would agree with that. Now Nimmo has, yeah, I mean he is an on base machine, and I love his game, and he's developed into a much much better center fielder. Over the last couple of years, he can he can cover a lot of ground. I think we haven't seen the top of Brandon Nimmo's career as an offensive player. You know, he's batting about 270. He really should be a 290 hitter, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he's always in the top 10 in on-base percentage, a very underrated statistic, as is Canna. I think he was number eight or uh, or number seven in on-base percentage. You know, that's that's a key, especially for analytics, odd base percentage is key. I you know, I'm I think analytics can aid you in developing your team and making in game decisions, but um I don't think it's the be all and end all. Um but you know, it's just yeah, it was disappointing. I never thought they would lose three in a row. Uh but they did. Now they're gonna have to face a two out of three situation. I don't know if they're better if they play the Padres or the Phillies, uh, to me, I think they're better off if they play the Phillies. If you nobody's noticed, because now he's on the West Coast, but Juan Soto, after a terrible start after the trade, which happens a lot when guys get traded, uh, the last uh, 12 or 13 games is, is hitting well. Uh, Machado's had a has had a great year for them. Uh, you know, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Three top-notch starters. Um, their bullpen is not as good as the Mets. It, it, and in a two out of three, anything can happen. Two out of three is a finger snap. You know, uh, it's an eye blank. It's over you in a are, flash. Are you glad this is more than one game wild card? I mean, do you like yes. this? Yeah, I, I, that is, I, I am glad that it's more than a one game wild card, 100%. I do. I agree with that. And I think that if there wasn't a lockout, everything would start a little earlier than October 28th, World Series-wise. That is correct. We'll, we'll get there correct. eventually. All right. I want to talk about one of your favorite teams, uh, the Yankees, because mm-hmm. obviously, and I was just there in March, the Yanks are down in Texas, and this guy, Aaron Judge, is only at one homer since hitting 60. So is this a mind game for him now, or what is going on? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think any pitcher wants to be the, the uh, answer to a trivia question. 
So that, I mean, I know some pitchers are pitching around him. Uh, I guess yesterday uh, he walked once, and I guess he struck out the other three times. Um, Hey, I can tell you one thing. If I was on the mound, I certainly wouldn't want to be the uh, answer to a trivia question. That's for sure. Um, Aaron Judge has had one of the great single seasons for any hitter of the last 30 years. He's had the greatest walk year going into free agency of anybody maybe ever. Uh, he leads the league in – he leads the majors in just about every category, and he's only one RBI behind behind uh, uh, Alonzo. So he could, and he has four games left. So he probably will pass. I think he's going to hit a home run, in, at least one home run in these next four games. Do I think the pressure's getting to him a little bit? Maybe a little. It's, he's a, remember, he's a human being. Uh, do I feel he's had the pressure that Roger Maris had? Uh, no. Roger Maris had incredible pressure. Roger Maris had incredible pressure because the writers want, didn't want him to break it. Fort, Fort Frick, who uh, uh, was Babe Ruth's ghostwriter, and he was uh, the president of the National League and then a commissioner of baseball, didn't want to see Ruth's record get it. The Yankee fans didn't want to see Maris break the record because Mickey Mantle bowed behind him, and Mickey Mantle was neck and neck with him most of the year and ended up with 54 home runs, but then... Mickey, who had a, a history of injuries, missed some time in September. Um, so Roger Maris was under a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot more pressure than, than Judge. I am so because glad you mentioned that. Not- I, I'm just so glad you mentioned that because I feel like this is the year people are starting to love on Roger Maris, which 61 years ago wasn't the case. It was not. And I can tell you I saw him play. I saw him play live the first uh, – First two baseball games they ever attend to, uh, he hit a home run. Um, and uh, in the old, old Yankee Stadium, not even the renovated one, the one before that. Um, and uh, he was an excellent player. He was an excellent right fielder. He won back-to-back MVPs in 1661. Uh, he played on, what, let's see, at least five with the Yankees in 60, 61, 62, 63, 64. And then his last two years in the major leagues was the right fielder for the Cardinals when they won in 67, and they lost game seven to the Tigers in 68. So the guy was always playing on the, uh, uh, for a winner. Excellent player. Um, you know, Roger Maris is probably underrated. All right, a couple more Historic topics here play. because uh, let me be honest with you, uh, the Tua situation is frustrating me. We'll get to the Jets win mm-hmm. as well. But how do you let him even go back in that second half against the Bills? I mean, now we see another guy yesterday for Tampa go back after concussion. Right. Is the NFL messing up? Is he? Well, what's going on here? I don't know if the NFL is messing up. I, I mean, I don't think – I think Tony Dungy on last night's game, uh, he said that this, the concussion NFL system is broken. I don't know if it's broken, um, but – the tour situation, you know, the coach will always put a guy back in the game. I mean, yes, you can have a doctor misdiagnose something, just like if I go to the doctor and I have something misdiagnosed. So I'm not saying it's broken. I'm just saying it just shows you how violent uh, the NFL game is. And years ago, when we didn't know that much about concussions, guys are just were just put back in the game and the coach overruled any doctor and there weren't that many doctors on the sidelines. Um, 
I don't know what, what the answer is, but two is not going to play Sunday. And, uh, the, the Dolphins doctors, the NFL independent doctor. Remember, he was put in by the independent doctor, not by a Dolphin doctor. Um, screwed up. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. And God knows what effect this is going to have on Tua uh, later in his life. I mean, I don't know. And Cameron Bray last night uh, collided with a Goodwin, a Godwin, excuse me, uh, his his teammate. And they put him back in the game, but then they announced that, you know, he's, he's not, not coming in. But Mike Tirico was all over it. He said that Godwin, I'm sorry, that Braid looked shaky. Um, so uh, the NFL has a problem. You know, the, the, we love the game. The game is so popular. Um, but it's, it's hard to police concussions. It really is. And it's already hard for uh, us NFL, to watch this thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, when you when you saw Tua's fingers last week, when he when he and, and last week when he got sacked, Alex, he didn't even he didn't even hit his head that hard on the ground. It reminds me of about twenty years ago when the same thing happened to Troy Aikman, who had a long uh, uh, series of concussions. Uh, they were playing in Arizona in Phoenix, and he was taken down not that heavily, but he was out, and that basically ended his career. But when you look at Tua's fingers, when he was lying on a, on the field, and his fingers were all curled up, they say that's a sign of a concussion, a motor skill, a motor skill uh, situation that is caused by a concussion. Obviously, I'm not a neurologist, so I don't know if that's uh, By the way, he was enough, he but... was listed as questionable for the second half. Is that correct, or am I am I missing? Yeah, it, 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 he 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 was, but they took him right to the hospital, and then they quickly said, "Oh, he's not coming back." The amazing part is, he they didn't keep him in Cincinnati overnight. He flew back with the team, and when you have a concussion, you're really not supposed to uh, be up thirty thousand feet in the air. That's another thing. By the way, he is not playing this Sunday. But I want to get to your guys because, oh my gosh, the Jets 2-2. Two and two, Look, the Steelers and, and Browns, were they sleeping on the job here? I mean, is this a Jets win? Is this a Steeler mess? Screw up. What one is it? What is no, it's it? A, it's, a, both? It's, a, it's a Jets win. It's a Jets win. I mean, here you have a kid who missed all of uh, training camp. And uh, he's playing behind a makeshift offensive line. Zach Wilson is, and it was his first game yesterday. Um, and it's only his 14th NFL game overall. That's what we forget. We think he's been around here forever. Um, and he was rusty in, in the first half. And the Jets were giving him no protection. Um, and the Jets couldn't run the football. And uh, uh, then in the fourth quarter, he took over the game as a quarter, like a quarterback should. He was throwing the balls into tight windows. Uh, I saw the whole offense gain confidence. I think, I know he had a couple of terrific wins last year against uh, Tennessee. Uh, he had a great win against Tennessee last year where he threw some hellacious passes on the run. The kid can make, it looks like he can make every throw. Uh, he could, yeah, he could run out of the pocket and make throws on the run. But what he did, what he did last night, yesterday, fourth and seven, he kept the drive going. Uh, he was authoritative in a huddle, I thought. I thought it was his best moment in his 14 games as an NFL quarterback. 
They got a long way to go. Uh, they have a very tough schedule. But the key thing this year is to give this kid many reps, repetitions, so he improves. They have to they have to improve their offensive line. They've improved the roster tremendously since last year. It looks like all th- all three first round draft picks um, are going to uh, be mainstays. Uh, so a Scardner looks like he's a keeper at that at, at cornerback. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I can tell you right now, if this guy doesn't end up being one of the significant Jets for the next five years, a, a potentially a great Jet, I'll be, I'll be really surprised. The kid is terrific. And Jermaine Johnson, the third pick, uh, had a sack yesterday. Um, it looks like he should be a mainstay. And They've Brees, got to build up the offensive line. And Brees is, is pretty good, too. Wow. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, they drafted the first running back in the draft, uh, Brees Hall, 34 overall. Yes. Yes, I agree. And they got, once they establish offensive system more and get him more into space, you're going you're gonna to see what he can do. A couple minutes because all of a sudden you see the Giants go down with a Jones ankle injury. You're seeing Tyrod Taylor with a concussion. But this affects both teams. I know the Giants won yesterday, but... Mm-hmm. I predict Turfgate to be a really big deal for both teams if injuries continue to mount on that MetLife turf. Do you agree? Well, again, I am no turf expert. That's for sure. Um, but uh, obviously, a couple of years ago when the 49ers were playing the Jets uh, at MetLife, uh, Bosa got hurt, was out for the year. And another defensive lineman got hurt, and I can't think of his name right now. I apologize if he was out for the year. Um, Odell Beckham a couple of weeks ago said that the turf is dangerous. Uh, again, uh, a couple of uh, Jets so far have not really complained about the turf, but they will when somebody gets hurt. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if Daniel Jones' injury is because of the turf. Now, he does run a lot. He's an excellent athlete. Um, but again, they might have to address the turf. But the turf has been approved by the National Football League. So, and then the Sterling that, Shepard you know, that, thing la- uh, injury last week on a non-contact was was probably well, the start of this conversation, no doubt. Right, and that's what that's what the triggered. Uh, uh, that's what triggered. Um, and even Zach Wilson was out because he had a non-contact injury. I thought it met life. I could be wrong, but. No, uh, it wasn't. It was at Lincoln Financial, and that field, you know, right. it gets all messy and gritty in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. Is not easy either. Some of these fields are just not easy to play on in general. But that's why they play but the again. Game. Right, but again, the NFL has people that examines all these fields. The NFL is at a step. When I was watching the NFL before you were born, uh, the fields were minefields, and they didn't have somebody to. Um, Examine the field for safety. That's for sure. Well, I, mean, I know you know. Receiver, we're, we're missing the big point here, which was you. You were part of the Meadowlands, uh, you know, NJSCA when when MetLife was mm-hmm. sort of in its infancy, weren't you? Well, yes, I, 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 yes, that is correct. Yes, that was correct. Now you go back to the old Giant Stadium uh, in in its history. It started off with the old hard AstroTurf. 
then they ripped it up. They put uh, they put grass in for the jet when the Jets and Giants for the Jets and Giants, and they uh, after after three or four years of grass, and they put the phony grass, the poly turf that most stadiums have now. Um, but again, if if the uh, if the turf at MetLife Stadium is that bad, they're going to have to do something about it. If they can find out that the turf is causing injuries, the Players Association is going to make us think, uh, and it, it will be changed. But the NFL, I'm sure, is not going to give uh, a passing grade uh, to a field if the field is is, is uh, not safe for the players to play on. Now, like, like I said, I could tell you, in the old days, Veterans Stadium, there was a receiver on a Chicago Bears, and I forget his name, was playing the Eagles at Veterans Stadium, went up and, to catch a football, came down on the hard turf Veterans Stadium, and Alex broke not one arm, broke both of his arms. That's how hard it was. It was like concrete. And, you know, the NFL, the Bengals played in Riverfront Stadium, same thing. This Cardinals, when they played in St. Louis, played in uh, Bush Stadium, the same hard turf. The Steelers at Three Rivers, the same hard turf. I mean, now is probably the safest time in NFL history for stadium field safety. Well, one last note about all that, because that's a lot of history we just went into. And obviously, I actually didn't mind the vet. I I actually thought it was an interesting place to go. Uh, I was a kid back then as well. But uh, your former team that you worked for for many years, the Nets, a lot of drama heading into this oh, yeah. season, <laughs> and there's still drama, I think. But uh, the KD, Kyrie—I mean—is this going to be something to for net fans to look forward to? Obviously, it's a yes. But can they put the drama aside? I guess is my question. Well, it's uh, Patty Mills was saying today, and Patty Mills is a pro. I mean, the guy has been in the league forever. He did, had a terrific season for the Nets last year, and obviously had a long career playing on all those good spurts. Um, said it just feels different, feels more businesslike. Um, and I hope that's the case. Um, you know, you have, you have KD, I think is, if not the best player in the league, the second best player, the third best player. Um, he's a human scoring machine. I, it seems like he's had uh, uh, his situation, whatever his situation was. And I understand he was upset last year with the COVID restriction in New York. Uh, you know, visiting players could play, but home play. Uh, Kyrie could practice in Brooklyn, but he couldn't play a game in Brooklyn. It makes no, you know, made no sense. But uh, I, th- it, it all depends on um, the chemistry developing chemistry and uh, I still think they have a pretty good roster. It's going to be interesting to see if Ben Simmons fits in because Ben Simmons really doesn't have to score. He's a terrific defender. Uh, He's a terrific passer. Um, And uh, I think that the Nets, if they put their minds to it, I think the Nets could be a contender again. I mean, let's face it when with all the nonsense last year, until when uh, um, Kevin Durant hurt his knee, they were the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And then he got hurt, and they lost 10 in a row. 
So they, they, they have to be more focused. A lot of pressure on Steve Nash. If the team doesn't get off to a good start, um, he may not be around. I mean, that's just my opinion. I haven't heard that from, from anybody. But if the team does not get off to a good start, if there's cracks in the chemistry, um, you, could see, you could see a change at, in, at the coaching at the coaching position. That's just my opinion. Nobody's told me anything, uh, but that, that is my opinion. I think, I, I think that's what, we, what we're going to have to look at. But I, I have a feeling, especially because Katie's been criticized by Charles Barkley, uh, by Stephen A. Smith, uh, you know, uh, other high-profile athletes and members of the media. Um, I think you could see Durant be more focused, and he's always focused. The guy just wants to, just wants to play basketball. So this could, what seemed like a disaster when he asked to be traded, could end up being very good for the Nets. But it's, we have to wait and see. There's no guarantee. All right, Lou. Well, thank you for sending it, spending the whole rain out with me tonight on the Alex Garrett Sports Spotlight. Always love shining on it on you, and I want to have you back as the season, postseason. You know how the dealio goes, uh, progresses yep. this fall. Love to have you back. I love, thank you for having me, and I'd love to be on with you. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm Alex Garrett, where we continue to adapt and shine the sports spotlight all in one sometimes. There you go. All right, good sir. That was great.